I pledge myself to the pod. Loyal I'll always be. A P to start, a D at the end, and an O sitting in between. Welcome back to In Omnia Paratus. I'm Jay, like the letter. And I'm Angela, also known as AVO. We are two friends diving into our past and present, evaluating if we were ever truly ready for anything. We'll discuss all things from the definition of dating to all the things school didn't prepare us for. Listen as we talk career changes, give plenty of unsolicited opinions, and work on becoming the people we want to see in the world. Hi, everyone. Welcome to February. I know. Per Angela's request, this episode is only filmed a few weeks before you're going to hear it. I'm so excited. It's only uh, it's only going to be 13 days? Sure. No. I think. Can I not read a calendar? Alexa, how many days until February 1st? Oh, right. February is the good month. Okay. It's, it's like nine days until you hear this episode. That's weird. I'm used to everyone being like, oh, so X episode you just recorded is coming out. I'm like, no, that's in three months. <laughs> it's like a trimester away but at least now we can actually like, talk about some current events like jay catch us up what's been going on in your life since what i think we technically recorded our last january episode in mid-december oh shit yeah, yeah. What's, been, what's been going on since then a capital riot an inauguration a photo where the jonas brothers were the look for the first ladies of the inauguration. Oh, I love that so much. And I have not had coffee in 23 days. That's the big change. And how do you feel? Like I miss the smell of coffee. I've liked coffee even before I could drink it at the age of seven. And so my get around was like smelling my mom's coffee even before I liked the taste of it. It just smelled so good. It really does. There's nothing more upsetting than when you get a coffee-scented candle and it doesn't smell like an actual cup of coffee. See, I'm a realist. I never expect coffee or chocolate candles to smell good, so I just don't even try. Or hand sanitizer or lip gloss. No one should make a chocolate-scented lip gloss. Ooh. I will say the closest a brand's gotten was L'Oreal, and that wasn't too gross, but like some of them need to work on it. Other than that, I've just been working on our website, which we'll talk a little bit more about, which we will talk a little bit more later. As of January 23rd, Angela still has not received her amazing birthday Christmas gift, which all of my sins have to be forgiven for due to my COVID quarantine that needed to happen from what, like December 23rd through January 5th? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so se- it was 17 days. So I was potentially exposed by another family member who hadn't known that they were exposed when I saw them. And so I, yeah, I spent Christmas in isolation. I had to wear a mask around my house, I couldn't leave. I couldn't go for walks. You turned 28. I did. I turned, I took the mask off for that. Repeat what I just said. I turned 20. Oh, wait, no, no, lies. I'm 27. Why do you guys keep doing this to me? Oh my Lord. I don't know. I don't know how this happened, but starting a couple years ago, they all just started aging me up an extra year. Like next year when I, when I can see you all in person, you'll probably present me with a cake that says happy 30th birthday. Well, no, that's giving two years. Yeah, that, that's probably the way we're headed. Well, one clearly is just enough to confuse you enough that you start believing it. Oh, it really is. Honestly, I had like the worst issue with this when I was a child. I, I didn't, I couldn't fully comprehend 
that like being born on the last day of the year for my birth year didn't actually mean mean that that year counted towards my overall age. So I, I always added a year on. And that's why you were an English major. Yeah, me and numbers. Never going to happen. I know. You took some kind of like origami math class in college, I remember, or something. I did. That was the biggest lie as well. It was like math for humanities majors of the easy math allegedly had all of these great math secrets in it that would teach you how to do like all of the equations super fast. Like you you wouldn't actually have to understand anything that went into the process. Like just remember this formula. And I remembered the formulas when we, when finals came around and they let us have cheat sheets. I wrote down the formulas, still totally failed the final. It's okay. We balance each other out. That we do. And speaking of balance, as Jay alluded, she had to give up coffee earlier this month. And this is part of a 30-day challenge exchange that we set up for each other. So Jay, you actually came up with it if you want to let everyone know more about it. Okay. So as you can see, I've called Angela Boomer. I've aged her up mentally. And part of this whole thing is her constant battle being on Instagram, which She can elaborate more on, but kind of in a summary of, I don't like social media, but society and social peers value social media. Oh, oh, wait, no, no, I can do it this way. (laughs) I got this. I got this. Okay. Angela doesn't like social media. Angela also likes to people please, and people like social media. Therefore, Angela needs to be on social media to people please other people. Yeah, basically. Communitive property? Associative property? I don't know. One of those. Transitive? Transitive. No more math. Oh, well, no. I did it in a math formula just so you'd have to fact check it. <laughs> we, are, we are not doing any more math things on this podcast ever. Like when I had to like attempt to look up the Vegas odds for the birthday episode, uh, my friend who I asked to help me, he wouldn't actually help me. He just tried to explain it to me so I could do it myself and feel empowered. And it didn't happen. So that's why it's not in the show notes. <laughs> What math? Oh, I ha- when I said that I wanted to know like what like the Vegas odds would have been on running into like multiple exes oh. in one space oh, in yeah, one yeah. night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Angela is not a social media fan, but due to growing up in the generation with the friends and lovely humans such as myself who she decides to associate with and our value and possible suitors value on social media, she disdainfully uses it. How'd I do? Pretty much. That's that's an excellent way to summarize it. So I had a genius plan based on something I've done and a little video we'll be posting on the Instagram sometime this month about ways to break up with your phone, ways to disassociate from social media, ways to help your mental health, all those kind of things relating to. All of those things kind of culminating for Angela to do with an experiment of not going on Instagram for 30 days, 31 days, we said January, because I wanted her to see, I wanted her to get whatever she got from it. I did something similar a few years ago, and what it affirmed for me is my friends who are genuinely my friends, I would reach out to and make efforts to still speak with, still see what's going on in their lives. They would send me pictures of what they were doing, even when I didn't have Instagram. And everyone who I was missing on Instagram, surprisingly, weren't really adding much value to my life. Other than Chrissy Teigen and Ryan Reynolds, I missed them on Twitter. But other than that, I really didn't miss seeing a lot of people from college. I know that might sound a bit harsh and it's not that I don't like following others, but it affirmed the relationship I really had with those people was more of a virtual acquaintance one, which is fine. But when 
you're putting validity into the amount of likes equals to the social currency you have or the value that other people see in you, it can affect your mental health. And so going off it for a month, I wanted Angela to just see if she would be able to gain anything from it. And although you have a week left, any good findings? So I think overall, it's been, I I feel like I've come to have a similar experience that you've had. I know in, this was proposed in mid-December. So in the few weeks leading up to January, I did have a lot of anxiety, which is actually ironic because even though I have Instagram, I barely use it. I use it, honestly, as of December, I was using it more for baking inspiration, cat videos, sports highlights, e-news updates, Pilot Pete and like listening to the oh yeah keeping up with Bachelor Nation and um, as Jay has alluded to begrudgingly responding to like direct messages and like other communications from Instagram which I wasn't really a huge fan of and I'm still not because I would rather call or text someone to actually have the con- have a conversation so not looking at the app during this time has been great because I get to use my preferred forms of communication. And similarly, everyone who I'm close with and have like regular weekly interactions with still reaches out to me and I still reach out to them. And I don't feel like it's hurt our relationship in any way that we've lost the convenience of just being able to send posts within the app to each other. And also quick segue here. So on Instagram, There are DMs, or if you're confused as I once was, those are direct messages. And those are for sending Instagram posts or sliding into. Like, please don't try to hold real conversations there, especially with me. I will ask you to please text me or call me. Just don't do it. It's on my list of pet peeves, right above group messages, and just below people who claim the entire frosting edge of the cake when sharing a slice. So just don't go there. I have a lot of questions, but where do where <laughs> where does FaceTiming go on that list? Oh, FaceTiming is okay. So FaceTiming is above both group messages and direct messages, but it's not as bad as when you try to call me through another app like Instagram or Facebook to hold a phone call. Oh, I thought I was muted that whole time. My bad. Oh, no, you're okay. I've been snacking. Eh, I couldn't hear it. I thought I was muted. I've been having issues with this, but now I'm paranoid if I was record muted at all during this. Okay, we're gonna hope. I don't know. Have you been hearing everything I'm missing? Wow. Yeah. Okay, because if you weren't hearing things, that meant I was on mute. Yeah, no. So far, there has been no dead air on my end. Cool. But yeah, overall, I feel like I'm currently experiencing a similar lightness to when I revamped my TikTok experience over the summer. So there I unfollowed and removed all of my followers from my account. And I've been using it more as a solo experience to just look at videos that I want to and not have to worry about messages that people are sending me or looking at the videos that they're sending. So it's it's been pretty great. And as soon as you said solo experience, it made it really sexual. Or maybe that's oh just God. where my head is. And then everything you kept saying just like affirmed it. You're welcome. Wow. So so are we going to have to like move from like podcasting to OnlyFans? Oh, no. I just saw this TikTok like isn't OnlyFans just like a pyramid scheme? And I was like, hmm, interesting. Oh, I don't know. If like early days of the pandemic didn't get me on there, I don't think later days would. Isn't there a cartoon where that was like the lead character's sign off? like later days. I don't do cartoons. Oh, not not even as a child. No Saturday morning cartoons for you. 
No, I used to watch the shows. There was a show called like Critter Getters or something. Do Bugs, Flight 29 Down, which was with Corbin Blue from Mm -hmm. High School Musical, obviously. Kind of like Lost, but for kids. And then they also had a show called Endurance. Which is like Survivor I don't Mini. Know if I can picture you watching any of these. Oh, and then they also had Darcy's Wildlife with Sarah Paxton on in the same kind of lineup. And then they also had the ABC shows, which was where they would do like Disney Channel shows on Saturday morning. Oh, yeah. Those were great. But still, some of those were animated too. Like what? Recess, Sabrina oh, I the did. Teenage Witch. Oh, I watched those. But like, I don't do class, like, I don't do like Cartoon Network anime i did like oh yeah no 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 this is like this is definitely from a disney one no i liked recess i liked sabrina the teenage witch but that was like cbs or fox that wasn't disney oh okay hmm. all right all the fact checking for me later mm-hmm. but yes why did you pick coffee for me so when you proposed instagram to me it was something that i didn't enjoy and wasn't necessarily adding value to my life so i thought that that was coffee for you because i've noticed in the past year like instead of referring to coffee as something that you want, you've been using the word need a lot. Yes, when you deal with the public on a general basis, some sort of substance seems the appropriate course of action. Okay, but you know, it just, it it was getting to, it was getting to a point where it didn't seem like you were enjoying the coffee. Like it wasn't like a fun coffee break. It was like, uh, but it didn't seem like a fun coffee break anymore. It seemed like some, it seemed like a crutch that were you were using to get through the day interesting that's much more of a thorough explanation than you and our friend complained a lot in paris that you wanted coffee and i got annoyed so you're giving up coffee for the month was the original explanation i got okay that yes that's the original thing that i first thought of but you have to admit both of you got to the point where you were like do not talk to me until i've had my morning coffee and i was like is it really that extreme have, have we hit this level? And if so, maybe this is the perfect time to think about cutting back on the caffeine. Also, this is just conjecture. Neither of us have taken any sort of test. We both may or may have not had COVID. I had bronchitis and we both may or may have not been exposed to COVID on that trip. So like our energy levels and our immune systems were already suppressed. Okay, that's a fair point. And you broke your knee. Oh, God. I yes, I dislocated my kneecap the first night I arrived in Paris. It was very sad. Yes. So yeah, we were we were an interesting bunch that trip. Mm-hmm. But 21 days in, no caffeine headaches because that was the first thing I clarified. Is it no caffeine or no coffee? Because those are two different statements. Yes, and I was nice. And I said, you, she could have caffeine, but no coffee. I would have preferred it the other way around personally because half of it for me is just the taste of coffee wakes me up. Obviously, the caffeine wakes you up as well. But if it was like I could have only had decaf or non-caffeinated coffee, but I could taste coffee, I would still have been better than I did because my mom is a religious coffee drinker, my family are religious coffee drinker, so I still had to smell it regularly. See, but I said that you could have coffee-flavored well, things, was supposed to get, like, like coffee ice cream, coffee cake. I, one, I wasn't going to take the time to buy and make a coffee cake. And two, I wasn't going to take, like, a pint of Ben & Jerry's out in the morning and, like, get my coffee fix from, like, ice cream. I mean, I can tell you because I've done it because I've recently become addicted to the Trader Joe's coffee ice cream. Kind of worth it. Just a spoonful in the morning. Eight days in and I can go full back to my lovely Nespresso. Oh, sadness my aunt bought me cold brew 
like in the middle of this and my mom's like did you thank her yet i'm like oh right i forgot to text her because it was so sad my mom didn't want to tell her i was like yeah she bought me more cold brew because i was running out it's fine it doesn't go bad it won't by the time i drink it all it won't go bad i will be brewing myself a pitcher of cold brew the night before and like it'll be ready for me the next morning at 12 at 1 a.m you're going to drink a cup of cold brew no i can't even do coffee past like 3 30 anymore Oh, really? I got used to doing it later when I would work closing shifts, but now I can't. Coffee past like 3.34. I'm up till like 1 a.m. Okay, yeah, maybe don't do that. Or you can do a 24-hour challenge and document it for the Instagram. Um, I have a lot planned for the Instagram for February. Thank you. I think we're good. Maybe we can go live on Twitch sometime and do a 24-hour something. Okay, what is Twitch? It's a platform where you can live stream anything most people most it's mostly known for gamers but any it's for anyone to just live stream and talk to people i think discord goes with it i think that's the way people communicate on twitch now i'm getting a little ahead of myself so i'm not going to continue in this line of conversation because my knowledge has already been expressed Okay, so just to round it out for me in my boomer ways, would this be equivalent to chat room? No, because you're not talking to anyone else. You're it's kind of like if you were going IG live, but it's its own platform typically for gamers because you can I'm assuming share screens and play with multiple people and still communicate through it. Okay. Yeah, because our other friend was trying to explain this to me on New Year's Eve, and I didn't I didn't get it. Mm. Speaking of it, that friend just got an iPhone. Freaking finally, my last friend or second to last friend who still has who had green bubbles. Oh my gosh, right? And the mind games that were involved in all of that. I mean, yeah, I just was, yeah, I thought it was. And then I was confused. I was like, did you or did you not get one? Because like, if I had to still message you in green bubbles, like, fuck it, I will. But well, I just thought it was really funny that he thought he could hide it in some way. Well, everything he was sending in the group chat was on Instagram. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so I was seeing it double time and I was like, just tell me what happened. Let me know what 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 the end of this situation was. And thank heavens it ended in an iPhone. Honestly, I, I, I had to explain the whole green bubble, blue bubble thing because he was like, well, or how do you know when someone does an iPhone? It's like, because my bubbles are green. I'm like, Apple users are very selfish. I will make that broad claim. We only care what color our bubbles are when we text someone. Your bubbles will be gray no matter who you text, but we know when we text a non-iPhone user that your bubbles will be green. Although I don't know, I've heard that you can actually now change the color. So here's the thing about most of the apps like this, because I was 16, 17 when all of these cool apps where you could change the keyboards came out. Here's the thing. You have to release. Oh, so this isn't new. The one They're kind of new. They come back and forth. The thing about these apps is when you use their cool looking pretty aesthetic keyboards they have access to all of your text messages that's like one of the privacy things i don't know if they've changed but that's one of the things you give up to get these cool pretty apps is like when you text in the pretty keyboard you're giving up you're letting them read your text messages because they're formatting them and they'd like to snoop obviously so that's Mm -hmm. why i'm like i'll stick with the dark mode it's fine yeah dark dark mode is enough We, we like privacy yes we do and speaking of privacy we launched a podcast, so we officially lost all privacy. Dropped a veil on ours. <laughs> dropped a veil, lost all. Same thing. Yep. Yeah, we did. So it's now been, we have nine, I believe, as of right now, we're recording this nine episodes. Nine episodes are live. 
And we've gotten decent feedback from people and consistent listenership. So thank you if you're in that group. If not, you're not a very supportive friend and that's fine. We get analytics, (laughs) we know. I know, which is how we know that like we have strangers listening to us too. Hi, people we don't know. Thanks for listening and finding us interesting. We hope we can make your commute, dishwashing, laundry doing, working out more entertaining. Yeah, and we hope that overall, like, you start to feel a little more comfortable with us, too. Because I think of our listeners that we know, our biggest feedback was that, like, occasionally we seem a little unrelatable with our Gilmore references. I think it's that the references, I mean, it's not not just the Gilmore references, but any reference that's more between us when we kind of go into our little language without mentioning full words, sentences, hand gestures. People start to lose it a bit. Eyebrow raises. Yeah. Blinks. Table taps. Yeah. So we're working on all of these things and trying to make it more of an inclusive community. And in addition to that, I had a realization, which Angela will be able to articulate a lot better than me. But I'm going to start by saying I had this realization when we recorded our Cabinets Late episode, which was a few ago, that Angela and I don't have to talk about something fluff and entertaining to banter and be funny. It's just naturally within me, I mean us, to do so. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, as you say, I can articulate it better. And my first words are, yeah, no, you know. The amount of likes I've already heard that I'm going to be cutting out of this, ugh. Uh, I I think that we definitely went into this with an expectation of knowing what we wanted to do and what we wanted to say and where our boundaries were and what we thought was interesting and what we thought other people would like. And now that we're actually doing it, we've discovered that those boundaries that we put in place for ourselves don't really need to be there. We can pretty much talk about anything like just like we do in our regular life. And we'll probably hit something that's going to resonate for someone. I didn't think in our fitness episode that we'd really get a lot of feedback on that, but we ended up hearing from someone who really wanted to hear more about um, cosmetic procedures and elective surgeries. So now like that's something for us to think about. And we hit on that for what, like two minutes? Yeah, probably around that. And also, we like to banter. We have a lot of pop culture references. And those just live within us. Those are always going to happen. Exactly. No matter what we're talking about, whether it's something a little bit more serious or not. There are a bunch of lifestyles, how to be a millennial now, how to live in a pandemic. And although we fall into that category, we'd also kind of like to balance that with a more of a TED Talk slash informational vibe slash, yes, we're funny, we banter, we have all the pop culture things you may or may not understand. But at the end of listening to us rant, banter, give unsolicited opinions for hours, you gain something that you didn't know before, whether it be about us, about the way a system works, about something. So going forward, we are not rebranding, are just turning a little bit, shifting a little bit to the right or the left. Or I'm not even saying right and left, that's too political. We're just shifting a little bit in the universe to come to speak about things that we find a little bit more important from a perspective that we don't really hear shared. So for example, February, what are things that happen in February? Valentine's Day. And what do you think about when you think about Valentine's Day? Obviously romantic comedies. So we are excited that we're going to have our first two guests in February. And then there'll be a bit of a surprise episode. I'm not sure which week we're going to put it up. That's more about my dating history. That's kind of going to be the focus for our episode. But over on our Instagram, we are featuring 
eight black people who we really admire and identify with for various reasons to celebrate and elevate Black History Month. Because although we should be celebrating it all year, this year particularly with Madam Vice President Kamala D. Harris, it's even more important now to use whatever platform we have to speak about things we care about and would like to encourage more of. That was not grammatically correct, but I'm the business major, so it's okay. We're going with it. It works. So we're definitely going to be highlighting Black History Month, and it's going to be our launch point for us to like continue talking. Wow, all the likes. I had a teacher, my modern world teacher, If you used it too many times in a sentence, he would just start clapping every time you said it. Oh, my family repeats it. Like, if I say like, then they say like over me. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's really bad. 2021, year of no more like. So while we're highlighting Black History Month on the Instagram, we're also going to use it as our launching point to continue the conversation about diversity and inclusion and representation through the rest of the year, through the rest of our time on In Omnia Paratus. I thought you were going to make our time on Earth. I'm like, wow, that's a big commitment. I mean, we should and we will. Well, I mean, isn't that what we're always striving for? I know, but like that just like sounds like a huge commitment. Oh, it does. It's like marriage vows. Till death do us part. We ourselves are still, I hate that this phrase has been taken so performatively, but we are learning and unlearning just like everyone else and encourage everyone to do the same. One of the reasons we love the name of our show so much, being ready for anything, is because it really has to do with just being willing to take a step and to start and starting to work on educating yourself about Black history Native history, Asian American history, South Asian history, Latin history, history that's not really taught in the American school system is important and should be amplified no matter the size of your platform. So come, learn with us, grow with us, reach out to us if you feel that we need to learn a little bit more ourselves or if you'd like to hear more from us. Because as small as our platform is right now, we want to make sure that we're using it for good. Here, here. Speaking of equity, diversity, inclusion, something that I know we fell in love with along with over 63 million other people from Christmas Day was Bridgerton. And... There are a bunch of different perspectives on that in terms of inclusivity, um, about the about the way in which I'm just gonna say the sexual assault scene that happens. I think that right now our platform is not really the place to speak on that so much, but in terms there are plenty of resources and articles you can read if you'd like to read more about the perspective from the showrunner, the creator, fans of the book, other people with opinions. Our opinions just aren't really about that. I wanted to kind of discuss more how you thought Bridgerton handled diversity. I've heard some people, a lot of people are praising the diversity efforts. Some people had a bit of an issue with the one line that kind of seemed like a throwaway line to kind of say, hey, look, we solved racism. Another comment is that a lot of the background actors are of Asian descent, but the main kind of focus on diversity is black and white. Mm-hmm. Your turn. Okay, so I have a lot of thoughts on this. So initially when I started watching Bridgerton, I didn't know what it was about. As Julie Andrews voiceovers rain down on you, you learn that you're in 18th century London. And my immediate thought was, oh, okay, so this 19th century? Yeah, because you're it was 1800, so you're the 19th century. Oh, that's right. Carry on. Numbers again, guys, not my thing. So you learn you're in the 19th century. So my first thought was, oh, okay, 
19th century rules will apply. Pretty much everyone here of importance will most likely be white. And this notion was settled upon for maybe the first couple minutes just because the first few times that I noticed non-white actors, they were in service positions. But then everyone goes to court to meet the queen. And so all of a sudden it's like, oh no, wait, this is going to be a, there will be a diverse cast. There will be this is going to turn all of my notions about what life was like in this time upside down, and they're trying to reflect a more inclusive vision of society. But then I had to think about me and the way that I thought about this and how I was going into it as a viewer, and was it right for me to initially hold these assumptions? Are you asking me or the world? I'm asking you. I think... I mean, I honestly went into it the opposite, knowing that this was the first production that Shonda Rhimes, the Shonda Rhimes of Grey's Anatomy scandal, How to Get Away with Murder, was putting out on Netflix. I expected nothing less in terms of diversity inclusion, knowing how she personally advocates for equality and equity in her shows. I was going to be surprised. I was surprised when I saw the trailer for this piece being so stereotypically classic and a Eurocentric story. Agreed. Like, I really didn't know what to think. Like, especially when we see the Duke for the first time. So like, hot. honestly, like, I, he is very attractive. The My first view of him was on the little, like, Netflix um, Bridgerton tile of him and Daphne standing back to back. And I thought that the biggest issue in their love story was going to be that they would be an interracial couple. And then no you come to find out in this version of their society, nobody cares. So I really liked that in that, in that respect, Bridgerton completely flipped my view of what this story was going to be. They really presented the issues of the society and the time, and granted they were mainly reflective of only one class type, but they really did try to remove race from it. I agree that I think that's what they tried to do, but I something just hasn't settled and I haven't fully ruminated even though I am on my second time rewatching the series, I did like the show overall. On the one line where Lady Danbury is talking to Simon about the diversity and how the king made a choice to marry a black queen and what that did and what it showed society, because that was the only kind of mention of race in the entire series. And it was kind of like, are you mm -hmm. saying that there's no race, like you, this one move, like in a snap, like, got rid of all racism especially at these higher levels i just wish they had either not said it and kind of pulled a Shit's creek where like of course the city of Shit's creek is diverse why wouldn't they be diverse like they didn't really have to go through that kind of struggle or have at least mm -hmm. i didn't i don't think you would make any of the characters racist to do so i just think that there was no mention period other than that one comment what is it like if white people wouldn't deign to say anything why like what did the king do what was the motivation and i've only seen the series i haven't read the book so maybe the more scenes go on they'll either add things or they'll take things away i'm not sure but i just think they could they made such a point of that scene between simon and laney danbury and then it was kind of like all racial issues were just left after that so I don't know. I feel like we have two different perspectives on this. Like when I think of that scene between the two of them, I look at it more as a reminder that this is not this perfect utopian society that it almost presents as because everyone's everyone's beautiful. There are beautiful gardens. There's parties. 
most people are happy and then they seem to at least surfacely focus on a lot of issues that don't seem to have as much importance like who's going to Mm -hmm. marry who or who is going to marry whom so I think that the way that it was placed was a nice callback that there's like such a deeper issue here at the heart of what's happening in their society but they brush over it and similarly I feel like it's a commentary on the way that our current society is that we have such a deep issue here but most times we just tend to brush over it so I think in a way it served its purpose and it's making it's making people talk that is true speaking of other places where diversity and inclusion seem to be lacking and or other things let's talk about romantic comedies or movies in general but it's february so romantic comedies are what i go to in february let's be real we go to romantic comedies every day of the year romantic comedies thinking of how we love them so much so many people love them so much thinking of the lack of let's just not even go with diverse casting because sure there are casts made of there are not nearly as many made with asians or latin people or black people as there are white people there aren't very many interracial ones which to me is a more surprising thing that's true So I actually tried looking this up because when we started talking about the lack of diversity in rom-coms, I wanted to see like what, what, what the mainstream media had to say for themselves here. And so this is what I've got. I have To All the Boys I've Loved Before, Fools Rush In. Who's in that one? Our Family Wedding. That's Selma Hayek and Matthew Perry. Mm, mm -hmm. Okay. I knew I've heard of it. And Bend It Like Beckham. David Beckham's not in that movie, right? Okay, I don't know. I actually haven't seen that one. Neither have I, but I was always wondering if David Beckham was in the movie or like what. I know it was based off of soccer, but I was like, is that one? No, I don't think he's actually in it, but we'll find out. (laughs) So those are all mixed couples. Would Correct. Okay. Oh, and Save the Last Dance. Although actually, I don't even truly put that in the category of a romantic comedy, which brings me into a whole other issue of that most movies that feature a BIPOC, that's the term, right? BIPOC. A BIPOC cast or interracial couples are actually not called romantic comedies. They're called romance movies. So, okay, we can cut this out depending on like how controversial it is. So would you not say Made in Manhattan is an interracial couple? Oh, yes, they are. I forgot them from my list. So, okay. So actually I have a whole other list for romantic comedies that feature Latinx casts because of those movies, the same 15 came up consistently for the past 20 years and half of, more than half of them feature Jennifer Lopez or Cameron Diaz. I always forget she's not white. Yes, Cameron Diaz is half Cuban. And then I came across whole other articles that debate whether or not Cameron Diaz actually is a true reflection of a good interracial couple in a romantic comedy. Because she's made a ton of them, but I don't think they've ever specifically cast her in a role where she plays someone who's not white. Well, I'll take on your 15 with J-Lo and Cameron Diaz and give you one. Crazy Rich Asians in my lifetime. I have three. You have three. What else can I claim? So technically, yours are from Netflix, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, and ah, oh my god, I cannot always be my baby. Oh, I feel bad. Okay, yeah. Can you tell- 
I mean, I don't even have to Google it. To All the Boys came out in 2017. Crazy Rich Asians, 2018. 2016, 20. No, I was I graduated. Mm-hmm. To All the Boys, 2017, 2018. Or no, they 2018 and later. What's, yeah, 2018 and freaking later. Crazy Rich Asians, To All the Boys, and Always Me, My Baby, or were 2018 and 2019. Yes, that's and a problem. And we, for this conversation, I am East Asian. Obviously, all of Asia is to the East, but to be a little bit more specific, typically East Asian refers to Chinese, Japanese, Korean, and then South Asian and Southeast Asian are more India- Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, Indonesian. So I'm referring to East Asian representation, even though in general, even if I combined it with the Southeast representation, there still isn't very much. And of those three Mm -hmm. you named, one is interracial. Yes. Problems. Big problems. I don't love these. Yeah. So overall, when I... I don't love any of these movies any less because they don't have diversity in them. One of the big... There are two realizations I got from Crazy Rich Asians. One... I don't think I've ever seen two Asians kiss on screen before in a actor setting, obviously in real life, yes, but not on a movie screen or a TV screen as the main focus, if ever. And two, when the entire cast of a film represents one culture, you don't look at the culture. You just see the human element in them. Like I loved all of the plot lines because like one of the scenes when they're all making, when they're all wrapping the dumplings and Eleanor goes off on Rachel, it's part of the Asian culture to make dumplings, but the conversations they were having of picking up your kids from school, of one of the aunties getting Botox and not picking your kids up, all of the things, Astrid, dealing with her divorce you could really look at the human element of it and they weren't like oh the asian one's the one having the problem it's like no all of these humans were just having their existence Mm -hmm. exactly because even if you see something that's out of the norm of your everyday life it's you're seeing it normalized on screen in their lives like they're not making a huge deal out of making the dumplings it's just something that they do it's a family tradition also i'm gonna and we all have family traditions, so we understand what that's like to participate Correct. in and that. here's my 32nd, hopefully, rant about the dang Mahjong ladies. I have no clue if any of you have seen this or have been on TikTok or have any clue what I'm about to talk about. There are three non-Asian women who decided to come up with hundreds of dollar Mahjong sets with cuter characters because of the strong Mahjong American culture. What? They've released a statement about how they thought the Mahjong characters weren't cute enough and they wanted to put their own spin on the American Mahjong culture and so charged 325 to 425 for these Mahjong sets, which completely disrespected the characters and the meaning behind Mahjong, the game, to the Asian culture. And the fact that they had the audacity to speak about American, American Mahjong culture when... The reason America has a Mahjong culture is because of the man who went to Asia and played and brought it back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you want a customizable board game, may I recommend Monopoly? <laughs> like, there have to be hundreds of editions of Monopoly at this point from Doctor Who Disney. to Golden Girls, Harry Potter. There's cats. Yeah, go go pick up, collect Monopoly boards. Yeah, here, here. But yeah, no, it's okay. So it's interesting that you touch on interracial couples in romantic comedies because I actually was thinking about that and wondering, is this where we end up with some narrative diversity in this genre? I don't know. What does that mean? Because when, like, in terms of the story being told within the romantic comedy, like, when you move away from those stereotypical 
tropes and cliches that have made up the genre historically and start bringing cast diversity in, do you feel like they then all revolve around interracial couples? Like all movies will involve interracial couples? No, like romantic comedies that feature diversity, like the ones that we have now. I feel like a lot of them focus on interracial couples and like does that does that undercut the story? In a romantic comedy, it's like you're just watching two people fall in love and try to navigate real or imagined issues so between them. So are you advocating them. that they shouldn't put interracial couples in movies because it messes with the storyline? No, I think that you should put interracial couples in movies, but I don't think that there needs to be like I would love to see a movie. I should be able to marry. Okay, I need to, I need to phrase. That I properly. should be able to marry reggae John Page. In any movie I please. No, I agree. But I think that when that movie comes out, I don't want the main focus of it to be that you're an interracial couple trying to navigate your two cultures and two families. I want to see two cultures and two families that embrace you. And the biggest issue that you'll have to figure out is that when you go meet his family on your wedding weekend, you find out that his older brother was your college boyfriend and you two have never really gotten over each other like that's what i want to see as the larger issue like i want there to be an expansion in the genre where we're able to tell more stories besides how to navigate the blending of two cultures oh i definitely get that and i think companies and brands are working on that slowly but i think movies are the other thing i have to say about that is two things of i don't go to the movies very often i think movie tickets oh i, I think between the price of movie tickets and popcorn and i always like getting ices and snacks and doing it up like you should go to a movie if i don't go to two movies i can get tickets to a musical or to a play or to a concert and i'd rather do that and then get the movie on tv because it's just so expensive to go to the movies now no one's going to the movies but it was so expensive but I saw Crazy Rich Asians in theater twice. Maybe three times? No, twice. Because I knew similarly to how I'm watching this season of The Bachelor. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've watched other seasons, but I thought particularly this season and Rachel Lindsay's season. It's important to watch. So the people who pull the analytical hand, pull the purse strings, see that people are watching, engaging, and these seasons and series can be as successful as the way they normally do it. Unfortunately, Rachel Lindsay's season was one of the lowest rated in Bachelor history, and they only compare it to the other seasons of The Bachelorette. They're not comparing it. They're bringing her in for diversity, but then when the diversity doesn't hit the first time because the show has had 23 seasons of Caucasian women to grow with, they say, oh, well, it doesn't work when a POC is the lead. Similarly to Crazy Rich Asians did very well. It was like the highest rated rom-com or highest grossing rom-com, excuse me, since 27 Dresses, I believe, but it's because people showed up. I know everyone can have problems and there are problematic actors and people have various opinions of how to spread diversity, but I'm in the camp of if if there's a huge step for your culture or not even your culture, a culture you believe in, like the success of Black Panther was because everyone loved it, but particularly Black people went to the movie theater and saw Black Panther and got the representation. And then take those numbers can be taken back to Disney Marvel and be like, Black leads sell. R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. A moment of silence. Okay, moment over. I never know. I never feel comfortable calling a moment of silence, like ending one. So I just never start one. <laughs>
It's incredibly frustrating because when you hear things like, oh, like the POC lead didn't do very well or only people of this culture are going to be invested in this movie, it just, it doesn't make sense because human issues are human issues. I don't necessarily have to look like you to relate to the fact that you want career advancement or you're looking for love or that your dream is to open a bakery. I feel similarly about those things. Then yes, I completely want to watch and I want to root for you and I want to see how it's going. So it just, it's frustrating because I think we all need more stories that feature diversity, but also just feature racial, ethnic diverse, diversity, but also have a diverse thinking. Most definitely. The other thing which I was going to say about interracial particularly is we as people on social media, not us as podcasters because it's not, we're not there yet, but anyone with a platform and if you have social media, you have a platform sharing and communicating parts of a story that you like like hypothetically i forgot your list of rom-coms what were they to all the boys let's go with to all the boys if you watch to all the boys and you bring up the the interracial part that's your choice to bring up but you can also go and be like wow i love this movie and i love how peter and laura jean related on the fact that they had a parent who was missing in one way or another and how that really brought them together and focus on the human element when you write review speak of these films we have the right to choose what points we want to elevate and highlight and media outlets need to take more responsibility for the stories and narratives they tell about these movies and situations because when every headline you read from any article any algorithm you're given is so and so said what about their co-star how was it acting with blank person of blank race how was it portraying this in a movie when those are the questions being asked that's the narrative we're hearing when the movie could be not about that at all oh exactly and like especially when movies have two female leads always like so what was it like how how was this scene was there any tension are you guys friends One of my favorite clips you can look up on youtube or i'll send it angela can look it up is when you see all of the women shut down like sexist questions like one of the best ones that i remember it's some interviewing having the audacity to ask scarlett johansson what underwear do you wear or do you wear underwear under her black widow suit or for me, I think it was Black Widow. I don't know. It was one of her movies. Oy vey. Versus when you hear questions, Reese Witherspoon was one of the first people I remember speaking about kind of the issues women are asked on the red carpet. They're asked about what they wear. They're asked about their makeup. They're asked about the kids at home when the husband's not there. What they thought of the movie. I don't know the last time I heard anyone ask George Clooney or Brad Pitt about the kids at home. They get asked about their roles, their character development. How did they prep? The women get asked how long they sat in the hair and makeup trailer. And yes, on some level, we do find this fascinating, but oh, yeah. we also want to know more. Definitely. We're capable of absorbing more. Most definitely. That's why I love the Hollywood reporter who does the roundtables with the Tony, Grammy, Oscar, Golden Globe nominees. And I love watching the panels of women just talk about their characters because these questions are about their craft. It's not about what they wore. It's about how they prepared and how they performed and what they did to get into their roles. How did they prep for them? How did they get out of them? And it's interesting. My other favorite scene, which I'm going to have Angel link to that I just saw, it's Amy Poehler and Tina Fey announcing some humanitarian award for George Clooney. Have you seen this clip? I 
haven't. So it's them. I don't know the award, but George Clooney's getting a humanitarian award. But they start off saying, and Amal Clooney's here who's done all these great, amazing humanitarian things. She's a humanitarian lawyer. She's a badass. And they say, and her husband tonight is getting the humanitarian award at the end of listing all of Amal's accomplishments. Oh. And he can laugh at it, which I think is a great sign. It is. Like, I think I... I don't remember. Interracial couple, right? I don't know what ethnicity George Clooney is. I believe she's is. I don't know either. I don't say she's Israeli, but I don't know. We will look this up. But no, I think that overall they have they have a really wonderful relationship. When you hear them speak in their interviews about how they work together, how they work balancing raising their kids. Oh no, Amal Clooney is Lebanese. My bad. Oh, okay. She is, and she's a Lebanese-born British barrister specializing in international law and human rights. Go Amal Clooney. You may proceed. No, but I just, I really like the way that they, they speak about each other. They really respect each other and they elevate each other. Like, I think I was listening to an interview where George Clooney was telling, was it Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel? Like he had to give up his study to turn it into a playroom for the kids in the pandemic because Amal needed more space and just like some quiet to like get through some of like her work. Good. Exactly. That's how it should be. Like he's like, yeah, he's like, I go out. He's like, I work on location. He's like, I don't necessarily need this space when I get home. He's like, do I miss it sometimes? Yeah, but it's not the end of the world. Here's just something else I just thought of, which may or may not be controversial. I mean, I think we're getting more controversial this episode than we ever have, but this is just us. So deal or stop listening. A lot of these men are actually in interracial couples. George Clooney and Amal Clooney. Matthew McConaughey and Camilla, Meredith Grey and her husband. And of those three I just named, only one advocates very openly for the equity of all. And I feel like I don't- We love you, Ellen Pompeo. We really do. And I'm not saying that it needs to be your whole job, but it's like if you can- Doesn't your family story deserve to be told? That's very true. And I mean, believe us, at this point, we definitely understand a lot more about privacy and- wanting to keep some things wanting to keep some things to yourself sometimes it's it's worth taking that jump and telling your story because you never know who it'll help or not even if you had a hard story if you met the love of your life interracially and things just worked out that story deserves to be told we have a bunch of stories of one ethnic people getting together and it just working out like inter- interracial <laughs> marriage doesn't need to have struggle and strife. Exactly. Like, please show us how easy it is and then help us translate that into the media so that they can continue to have their own story evolution and give us new content. So I think on that note, thank you for listening to today's episode of In Omnia Paratus. Grab your coffee bowl and don't forget to rate, download, and subscribe. And as always, where you lead will follow. So head on over to at InOmniaPod on Instagram to let us know what you thought of today's episode. Bye. Bye.